I wanted to speak to you today about joy. And uh, the Advent today is glad, uh, gladness, uh, joy, uh, happy. Uh, any of these words that you want to put in there, uh, the, the theme of the sermon today and the point of everything I say today is our joy should be in our salvation and our joy should be in eternal life. And it's, if it's in nothing else but that, you'll be fine. If we get caught up in these other things, that's where we're getting into trouble. And, and, and guys, just like today, you know, I, I hate to say that, that this is an example of joy because not all of you may have felt what I felt today from the Lord. But whenever I uh, am going through a heavy time or a heavy laden time and I turn to the Lord, my salvation, my, my source, uh, he never fails me. And he moves upon me and I take great joy in that. And that's what joy means. You know, this world's idea of joy is, is happy and, and it's just all oh, running around. Oh, I'm just happy all the time. Joy is consistency. And consistency in the things of God is where you'll find that true joy. Uh, as I was looking up words and, you know, what it means and, and all that, uh, physically in this world's eyes, glad means pleased or delighted. Uh, joy means a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. But when I looked up in the biblical form, joy means taking uh, gladness, taking uh, happiness, taking joy in your salvation and eternal life and, and nothing else. But because of that, we get to reap a lot of other things, wonderful things in the Lord. We get to, to reap the love that he has for us. Man, we feel his love and his presence here today. We get to reap uh, as a result of God, the joy of his love today and how much he cares for us. Uh, David was talking about and rejoiced in the, when his enemies would attack him and he would call out to the Lord, he would take joy in that. And there's so many times through life and trials and, and things I'm going through and things that we're going through, when we go to our God, our, our salvation, man, we find that joy because he moves upon our situation. Sometimes he's slower than we want him to be and not as fast as we want him to be, but he moves upon our, 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 our situations. Joy is a response to God's word. God gives us strength through his word. Joy is found in, in, in lots of things that the, the Lord rejoices in, and the Lord takes joy in us as believers. Uh, that's something that, that the word was said today that... that uh, uh, I just went blank. The chambers read to us today how the Lord takes joy in us. The Lord takes joy in us because when the unbeliever goes to the Lord, the angels in heaven rejoice. But we see all these ways that, that the Lord rejoices over his people when a lost sheep comes home in John fifteen three and 7. So when one of us find him, the Lord takes joy in that. The shepherd takes joy in that. Whenever the, the lost coin was found, the Lord took joy in that. When the prodigal son came home, the Lord take joy, took joy in that. When the man liquidated all of his assets and, and his hidden treasures and he brought them before the Lord, the Lord took joy in that. With joy, Jesus endured the cross that he loved us so much. He cared for us. But we see all through the, the, the Bible about the joy that was found through the word of God is when God was putting in and when we were putting in and going back and forth, that's when that joy is found. And it's in that relationship. Peter and John found their joy 
when they were being scourged and persecuted, they rejoiced in it. A lot of us say, how can we rejoice in a difficult time? But they did. Paul, in the midst of his affliction, found joy in 2 Corinthians 7, 4. We can find joy in all aspects of our life. And we need to find it in our salvation, in our eternity, in our relationship with Jesus. Something else that I saw studying up and looking up joy, uh, it's obvious joy comes from prayer and presence. When we're in prayer, and where we experience the presence of the Lord, it brings joy. And that's what we were seeing today when, when Joel had you lay hands on each other, you prayed for each other, you put yourself in the presence of the Lord, you found joy in your situation. And then that's what I, the joy that I'm talking about today. But I want to read a scripture to you today uh, from Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. Uh, Supplication means you keep getting in there. You keep pressing in. You keep pushing towards Christ. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. I think it's so neat that when the Lord moves upon something he's wanting to say to his people... The illustration that Joel shared with you today, the, the invitation that the Lord, I believe, was given through the song today, through Silent Night, there was such a peace over this congregation. Then we moved into that, long, that last song, and the power of God was just moving. The Lord was giving an invitation to us through song today. He was wanting us to experience his presence, his place, and the result of that was joy. God wanted to move and wants to move on us through song, through worship today. The other thing that really blessed me today was that when I got in the pulpit, the first service, Tim Snyder, an evangelist that that comes and speaks at Oakland a lot, sent me a text. And yeah, I do read texts during church. I've I've read one already today. But but Tim texted me this. And he said, thinking about Oakland this morning. Hope your cruise went good, which I just got back from a cruise. But he said, I'm praying that in 2019, that will be a year of joy and abounding faith in the Oakton body. And he didn't know I was preaching on joy today. He didn't know what I was talking about today. The Lord wants us to realize that our joy and our complete satisfaction comes in our salvation and in our eternity to come. And we need to base our lives around that. And so a lot of you may say, well, I don't understand that. And so uh, yesterday I was at men's prayer breakfast. And uh, Todd was leading the class, and, and he said uh, there was somebody was going to be speaking. I don't know what happened, but Todd had to speak yesterday. And he goes, I don't know what to do, but the Lord's put it on my heart. He goes, what brings you joy? Or how do we get joy? And I'm like, praise God, that's what we're talking about tomorrow. But I kept my mouth shut, didn't want to give it away, wanted to hear what they said about joy. And this is some of the things that I heard about joy. Now, this is from the men of the church, by the way, so it's got to be right, right? You know, guys know everything, or at least we think we do. Amen. I got some amens on that. But, but he said, how do you get joy? And one brother said, joy comes from prayer. Another one said, joy comes from the Lord. Another one said, joy is our peace, our tranquility. Another one said, uh, joy grows on you. And this one here really hit me, but, but a person said, joy is hope. 
And it's not always fun to get out, get on a tractor and, and farm and, and do the tedious work, but, but it's joy when you see the harvest. And that's what it really hit me is our joys and our salvation when we don't feel about it. You know, I read the scriptures, but in our suffering, we rejoice. In our good times, we rejoice in our salvation and who we are in Jesus Christ. Because we have a redeemer that came for us, that's with us at all times, that's prepared eternal life for us. He cares for us. And, and I'm going to go ahead, Troy, put that slide up that I gave you earlier. The Lord hit me with this a little bit ago, but I just got back from the Bahamas and, and we went into, not, not, what's that, Nassus or whatever it is. But, but this is the 66 steps that was uh, um, uh, built in um, respect or celebration of Queen Victoria that freed the slaves in, in, in the Bahamas and set them free. Uh, she gave them land. Uh, she gave them properties, but she set them free. And we were in there and, and taking a picture of this. The, what had happened is after the Revolutionary War, uh, a general or somebody from England was drove out of the States and he went to the Bahamas. And when he got to the Bahamas, he, he took in slaves and he captivated these slaves and he went to hard labor and they started cutting this hole. Uh, this hole was from the lower deck, the lower ground to the highest point on the island. And there was a fort on the highest part of the island, which is at the top of these stairs. So this general forced labor made these slaves dig this out, this limestone by hand. I even got pictures of the little chisels that they had to work and slave over and, and were beaten over and killed over to, to do this. Well, when the Queen of uh, Victoria found out about this, she went over there. The guy was taken out. The slaves were freed. And again, the land and all that was given to them. Well, the slaves continued to work because they appreciated what she did so much that they built and cut these stairs into this. They finished it. And that was, I can't think of the word I'm wanting to say, but that was their, their gift to her for their freedom. You know what I was thinking the whole time I was there? And this is why the Lord began to deal with me about it. The Bahamas is a pretty rough place, guys. And I'm thinking they would have been better off staying in captivity under England's power, under England's control. They had nothing. They're, they're poor. These guys that give on the, the, the show that we were at that day, they take donations. Uh, they're not even paid, but they take donations to talk about that. But they're very, very poor people, but yet they were rejoicing in their freedom. And that's what the Lord hit me the first service on, that, that we don't realize the freedom that Jesus Christ has given us. We don't understand what Christ has done for us on the cross. And that's what Advent, the Christmas season, is about, is to remind us that God himself came to us and he set us free. Guys, we are free. And he has set us free and our eyes are on eternal life. And, and here these people are that are celebrating their freedom that are living in poverty over there as far as I'm concerned. But they could worship and thank a queen that was a physical person. Do we take joy in our Lord that gave it all up for us, for our freedom, and has given us eternal life? You think this life is good? It's not even going to touch eternity. And he's preparing a place for us. So when I say that, it ought to be easy for us to rejoice in the Lord. But sometimes I think we get caught up in the things of the world and we just don't realize 
what Christ has done and what we're about. This time on the earth is just a time to prepare us and to restore us back to God. But we have a choice. We've got a choice to where we're going to move closer to God every day or a choice that we're going to move further away from him. He's given us a free will to, to make our decisions. But guys, this earth, that's what it's about. And we need to remember our salvation and the joy of the Lord that's in us and the eternity that he's prepared for us. But this old boy, he got a hold of that. It's not always fun to get on the tractor and do the work, but there's joy in the harvest. And there's joy in the Lord and all he does. So in the same way with eternity, we may not have joy every second of every day, but we know in the end what the Lord has for us. And that's what the other gentleman said. Another one said that joy comes from faith. We know the word is true no matter the bad circumstances. Reading the word, that brings me joy. Another one said, joy is a fruit of the spirit. And the last one that really struck me in the meeting yesterday was, one of them said, anxiety is the opposite of joy. And that really hit me because I believe the world's hit by anxiety. Man, man, people are anxious today and and they're heavy laden today. And it's the opposite of joy. It'll steal your joy. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But, but Matthew 6.31, Christ himself said, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own, its own self. Sufficient for this day is its own troubles. And the Lord was saying to us, man, just seek me. You know, seek my salvation, seek eternity. Put your eyes on me all the time and I will bless every movement you make. I will be with you through every step. And that's where you find joy. So I see today and I say today, the first point is prayer and presence equal joy. And we need to always remember that. But the second point today is, is are we happy as a nation? Are, are we happy in here today? Are we joyful here today? You see the Newsweek poll that I read, and this, this may have been a couple of years old, but this poll said that 84% of American adults consider themselves Christians. 82% see Jesus as God or Son of God. Man, that's pretty good, isn't it? 79% say they believe in the virgin birth. 67% say they believe the Christmas story is accurate. And so when we see all these amazing statistics, you know, over 50% of Americans believes in Jesus Christ. 50% of Americans take joy in their salvation. 50% of Americans or more take joy in eternal life. Then why isn't America happier than what we are? Ma'am and I watch TV. I don't, I don't see a lot of happiness in the news. I, I tell you what, the news burdens me and, and, and weighs me down. Uh, as a pastor, I don't hear a lot of happiness. I, I don't hear a lot of joy in people's lives. And, and so I'm thinking about this, you know, 84% of Americans consider themselves Christians, but they're not walking in joy. And, and the Lord began to deal with me about this. You know, uh, America may believe in God, but they don't obey God. And, and that's where we get into trouble a lot of time. And as, as a result, we're not happy. 
You know, when, when we're not engaged in God and following him and being obedient to him, then we're not going to be happy. It's a, it's a temporary thing that, that we get into if we're not careful. And so we need to realize to not get caught up in this world and to be careful that, that we don't get caught up in the things of the world to the point to where we're not obedient to God. And, and we get captivated by the, 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 the good things of life, the, the great things of life. We get captivated by our family, and they're great. We get captivated by our children, you know, and, our, and our, all these other things. But our number one captivity should be Jesus and eternal salvation with him. And after that, everything else is going to come into play. I'll never forget Joshua when he's a kid. Uh, Christmas season, our Christmas tree would go up. And since Joshua was old enough to walk, every Christmas he would go under that tree and he would just lay by the presence by the hour. I can go back and I bet you I could find a picture every year of Joshua under the tree in halftime. You got to look to spot him, but he's under there. And, and he still does it today and he's 26 years old. And, and tell him I said that, he'll be here next week. But, but, but here he is, he's anticipating these gifts the things, the presence that's under the tree. And we're all excited. I, I'm all pumped about Christmas now, and I'm all excited about Christmas. But you know what? About an hour after Christmas every year, I get down and out because them gifts didn't satisfy. You know, I can remember one year I got him a motorcycle, and, and, and man, he loved that for a season. You know, I can remember one time I got him this, and he loved that for a season. You see, this world is never going to be able to satisfy us. And we can anticipate presence under the tree. We can pray to God for that perfect wife. I've got one, but guys, she doesn't totally satisfy me. And I don't say that today to run her down. She's the best thing that ever happened to me. But my confidence has to be in Christ. My confidence has to be in eternal life. You know, I got the best kids ever, but my confidence has to be in him. Uh, why do we go through midlife crisis? Because we got our confidence in everything else but Jesus Christ. Uh, why do we go to, through empty nest syndrome? Guys, I battled that. When, when our kids graduated, when Amy got out, it wasn't so bad. But when Joshua got out, we got cold turkey on sports. Cold turkey on school, cold turkey on everything. We were gone every night. You talk about empty nest syndrome. You find out real quick where your identity is. And again, none of those things are bad, but if we're finding our hope and our faith and our every confidence in our work or whatever we do outside of Jesus Christ, we're out of order and we're going to be anxious. We're going to be upset at times. We're not going to be completely fulfilled. Guys, it's biblical. Adam and Eve learned the hard way. The temporary joy they found in the apple it did not last them. It only brought them a, a season, but it took them into unrighteousness and unhappiness. In Genesis 3, 6, we see the woman saw that the, the tree was good for food. You know, that's a temptation that, that, that Satan uses at the same time. That's one of them right there. We see with our eyes something's good, and so we want it. That is what is pleasant to the eyes, and, the tree, and, and a tree desirable to make one wise. So she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So we see that there's three areas that, I butchered that when I was reading the scripture because the Lord was talking to me, but, but, but there's three things that, that, that Satan attacked them with there that they began to anticipate and thought, man, if I just eat that apple. It's the same temptations Christ went through in Luke 4. 
The same temptations in Matthew 4. The same temptations that Peter talks about in 1 Peter. He's still using them today. But they took and they ate of the apple. And, and they started participating in, anything, in something outside of God's will. And then all of a sudden we start hearing that when the Lord was walking through the garden and they heard the Lord walking about in the garden, they hid from the Lord among the trees. Do you guys realize they never hid from the Lord before? When the Lord was in there, they just knew it and they rejoiced in him. But when they got out of the will of the Lord and began to pursue the things of the world, the, to anticipate other, anything outside of God, God didn't hide from them. God was still in the garden. They hid from him. Just like today, God's not hiding from you. A lot of people say, well, God doesn't speak to me. Yeah, he does. You're just not listening. We get our eyes focused on everything else. I had a person come up and, and share with me just before church that, that, that they didn't think God was speaking to them. But once they slowed down and got quiet, actually, they're thanking me for Wednesday night prayer. We're doing RPWF for an hour and a half. We're praying on Wednesday nights. They say that made them get still before the Lord and the Lord spoke to them. We are so busy that we can't get still before the Lord to hear from him. And we get our, we're, we're so caught up into everything else but the Lord. The next thing we know, the Lord's over here and we're over here and we're finding ourselves naked and we're ashamed and we're hiding. God doesn't separate from us. We do it just like Adam and Eve did there. So the pursuit of the world only brought them spiritual death. And God already explained that to him in Genesis 2.17. He said, if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. And guys, if you read that, surely means it's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. So if you, you get out of God's will and pursue the world, you will die. And that's whenever death become, came on man. And people are like, yeah, you know, Adam died a physical death, you know, blah, 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 big deal. Did you guys realize that Adam lived another 930 years? Think about that. And I got to back up. He lived 930 years. But he spent a long time in spiritual death. A lot of time outside of that relationship that he once had. But he ate of the apple and it said he surely died. I don't think we get the effect that it has on our lives when we're not pursuing God like we can. I want everybody to stand up. Some of you are starting to nod off. Let's stand up. All right, I want you to run around the church three times come back here. No, I'm just kidding. Since Adam and Eve people, everyone's been born into sin because of that one time. Everybody's been born into sin. The scripture says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. In Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Revelation 21, 8 says, But the cowards, the unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idolaters, liars, their fate is a fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is a second death. This was the result of Adam and Eve eating an apple. Now, I just read to you one scripture of people that won't enter into heaven. Just one scripture. I can read you many more 
of things that you do, if you do them, you won't enter heaven. The first service when I said coward, I had broke that down and I didn't read the definition of of coward because I thought everybody understood it. And a guy come up to me and he said, the coward hit me. And he goes, "What what is that? What does it mean? Coward here means one who lacks courage to endure. One that wants to follow through with the things of God. Ones that want to follow through with being the man of the house, the man of God of the house, the husband of the house, the one that's called out to do giftings and anointings that the Lord's put upon their heart. But, but I guess I say to you today that, that if you're without sin here today, if, if you've never sinned before, would you sit down? This is a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience. None of us can sit down. And I don't think we understand the impact. And I believe the Lord told me to do this today because we can see it now. But every person born since then was born into sin and it impacted the world. Don't think what you do doesn't impact your relationship with God. Don't think what you doesn't impact your relationship with your wife or your husband. Don't think what you do doesn't impact your children. Because it does. But glory to God. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23. Now if you've accepted Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. You can sit down because you are sinless. Sin free. I'll let you see the impact that Adam and Eve's sin had upon the world, even to this day, thousands of years later. But another reason why we should rejoice is in our salvation and eternity is because we can sit down when we accept Jesus Christ our Lord. But if you hadn't accepted Jesus Christ your Lord today, then you, you shouldn't be sitting down right now because you will not make heaven by your choice, Adam and, Eve chose, Adam and Eve chose to leave heaven. That made us free will. God's desire is that all would be saved and come into knowledge and understanding to him. God wants everybody saved. But you have free will now. You've got to choose him today. Okay. Before we leave this point. In the same way believers, Christians... I believe can experience spiritual death. The statistic, 84%. They believe in God, but man, why are we so miserable if, if we're saved? But when a believer is living in known sin, it opens the door for spiritual death. And death comes in many forms. And I believe the Lord showed me this is the forms they come in. But depression, fear, discouragement, and shame, they all stem from spiritual death. So when we eat of the fruit that, that we shouldn't have, in other words, sin, you know, it's a big thing nowadays. You don't have to be married, just live together. Uh, I know Christians living together. Guys, uh, that's not Christ-like. Uh, that opens the door for the, the, the death, if you will, to enter in. And again, I'm not condemning you for this because I'm not without sin. But you open that door to that, it opens the door for depression, anxiety, fear, all these other things. But in the same way, if I got a bad temper problem, 
And, and every time I get angry and foaming at the mouth and acting like an idiot, I open the door for the same things. And so as believers, we got to learn to close the door. We got to learn to stand in the Lord and realize our joy is in him and nothing else. We're going to be battling sin our whole life. And we're not above it, guys. We're, we're going to continually be dealing with it. But we need to repent and go to the Lord. So as I, I close this point out, no matter how good it looks, tastes, feels, no matter how rich, abundant, wise, or successful it will make you, if it's not from God, it will eventually lead to intense sorrow and end death. And that's John Bevere quote there in the book I'm reading by him. And then point three, Lord, have mercy on us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. A friend of mine told a story about a guy who went to heaven, and he got to, to there, Peter met him at the gate. Peter said to him, uh, you got to take a test, and you got to get 100% on the test before we let you in. The guy said, no problem. I've been a Christian my whole life. I've gone to church. I'm a good person. I'll get 100%. No problem. The first question was, do you go to church? The guy said, I've never missed church. I got the pins to show it. I've won attendance pins since I was a kid. I have perfect attendance today. Peter said, okay, that's worth a half a point. Next question, were you faithful to your wife? The man responds, yeah, I never cheated on my wife. Peter said, well, that's, that's worth a point. Then Peter asked, did you tithe? The guy said, yes, I tithed. And again, Peter said, okay, that's worth a half a point. After about five or six more questions, the man only had three points total. Finally, he said, my God, if this is what you demand, have mercy upon me. That's the ticket. Peter said, enter in. None of us in here are without sin, and we depend on the mercy of Christ. But we got to go to him and say, oh, God, have mercy on me. RPWF 31. RPWF means repent, pray, read your word, and fast. 31 just means there's 31 days in December. So when you see RPWF in, in your bulletin, that's what we're doing, saying, Lord, have mercy on us. We're not begging for our salvation. We got our salvation. We're not begging for forgiveness. We got our forgiveness. We're, we're going to the Lord and saying, Lord, we don't want anything in here. We want all of you. We want you to pour through us. I want to know you more, Lord, than I know now. You see, the believers no longer judge for unrighteousness. We're judged for righteousness. So we don't have to, to beckon or beg or, or that's what I was telling them Wednesday night. I don't got to beg God to heal me. He already took care of it on the cross. I don't got to beg God to forgive me. He's already taken care of it on the cross. I don't got to beg God for anything. I just got to position myself to receive from him. It's that simple. It's that simple. But we get out of position. And that's why we are conscious and we RPWF. It's no different from Advent. Advent is just repositioning our mind in who we should be in Jesus Christ. This sermon today is just repositioning our mind. Hey, I got to get a hold of this. I got to be reminded, man, I get caught up into this world. Next thing I know, I'm over here and God's over here. But guys, we need to praise God for his love. Romans 5 eight, but God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We need to praise God that, that, that 
for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We need to praise God and not, and not walk in condemnation. The Lord really told me that this is for someone today. But, but therefore, there is now no condemnation in those in Christ Jesus. But Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Jesus came into the world to save us. So if you're, feeling, you're a believer today and you're feeling condemnation, then you need to reposition yourself. Because Jesus doesn't bring condemnation. It's point blank. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. None. None. I was over at your house the other day and you was ministering to a gal and you was trying to tell her that, weren't you? But many believers are out of position and they're walking in condemnation and there's no reason for it. We need to remember that Jesus has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We need to remember that, that God has forgotten our sins. Today, just before I walked in here, I just typed in my Bible app uh, and I just put in there, um, what did I put in there? He will remember your sins no more and bam, bam, bam. Hebrews 8, 12, 10, 17. He's listening to getting into it, isn't he? I like it. But he remembers our sins no more. You know, we remember our sins, and we like to remember everybody else's sins, and that's what keeps us from being who we are in Christ. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Well, guys, when we're remembering everything that, that Lawrence's did before they're saved and even after they're saved, then we're losing focus on who we are. We're condemning them and ourselves. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we got to quit condemning people. Guys, there's been people sitting in this church that don't come back because we may not say it with our mouth, but we say it with our eyes. We condemn. With our mouths, we condemn. Just not talking to somebody. If somebody comes in now of this church and not talk to, we condemn them. Now, that's pretty tough, Pastor. If you really loved and believed what you are, you'd go tell it on the mountain. You wouldn't be quiet about it. Closing out today. In his presence is fullness of joy. Psalms 1611. In your presence is fullness of joy. You'll make me full in the joy of your presence. Acts 2.28. So we see in the scripture here, the presence of God uh, uh, will give us the joy that we so desire. So again, prayer, presence equals joy. Now I'm going to read to you the scripture that, that the chambers opened the service with today. And it should maybe see it a little different. I'm getting a real feedback all of a sudden. But for the Lord your God is living among you. Guys, he's in you if you're a believer. See, this is a prophecy that's fulfilled now. The Lord is in you, and he's a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you, and he does it with gladness. With his love, he calms all your fears. Guys, again, Joel gave you an opportunity. God is he's beckoning us today. Man, come to me. Give me your anxieties. Come to me, all who are in burden. I want to give you rest. But 
but he wants to calm our situation. He wants to rejoice over us with joyful songs. And he wants to gather us that are are mourning and he wants to send us to the appointed festival. And he says, you'll be disgraced no more. That's powerful what the Lord wants to do for us. So when I started today, we need to take joy in our salvation and we need to take joy in eternity. You can kind of see that now because we go through the scripture and the scripture helps us reposition ourselves that, you know, a lot of the things he mentioned, they are good, but man, I'm out of position. And as the praise team comes forward today, I want you to just examine your hearts and maybe think, am I out of position? Is, is, is my work life gotten more important to God? Then God is, you know, I'm not sinning, but, but God's not like he ought to be in my life. Then we need to reposition ourselves. And, and, and I challenge you today to, to get up and come to these altars and just pray. And, and don't worry about what anybody else thinks. But, but, but if, if, if this life has overwhelmed us in an area and we need to, to reposition, let's do it. If I have unforgiveness in my life and it's allowed me to, to get out of kelter with God, then, then let's take care of it. Let's reposition ourselves. Let's get focused into our salvation. You know, pastor, things aren't going for me. Well, it's kind of like the farmer. It doesn't, it isn't always fun riding a tractor, but the harvest is near. But Lord, reposition my mind. Reposition my mind, Lord. And I don't want to sit here and guess all the things. You may be struggling with healing and mad at God because he hadn't healed your body. Well, reposition your mind. Whatever it is, reposition your mind. I want to challenge you to come out to RPWF on, on Wednesday night this week. And, and we're going to be talking about, uh, again, we're going to be praying. But prayer presence equals joy. And we pray for each other. And, and you can be alone. We're not going to bother. It's however you want to do it. But in preparing for RPWF, a lot of you guys came to me and asked for the calendar. We made a calendar last year that, that you could pray for something every day. And, and you liked it. And, and I got a bunch of texts and calls Wednesday. And Amy took care of that for me before. And she's off in Branson with the Lehmans this weekend. So I couldn't get her to, to, to do it. And so I just took the calendar and began to fill in things we could pray about, like the nativities this weekend. Man, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, let's pray for nativity. You know, pray for church service on Sunday. And I just started plugging things in that, that we got going on. Well, there's eight days left. And I couldn't, I was breaking my mind or trying to get ready for the service. And the Lord reminded me of a book I was reading that, that teaches uh, you how to, to, to just look at your life and see where you're at in the Lord. And the Lord hit me, these same eight things will help us to keep in position or help us to reposition so I put them in the prayer. But I'm going to read them to you now real quick. But I think if you do these eight things, I challenge you to, to look at yourself and examine yourself every day with these eight things. And I'm going to put them on the board behind me. But the first one was day 14, and it's not on your bulletin. If you've got your bulletin, these are in your bulletin on the little flipper part. But, but you'll have to write in day 14 because it's already passed. But day 14 says eight ways to receive and stay in the joy of the Lord is one, that we are obedient to God. That's number one. Adam and Eve, that's where they messed up. That's where most of us messed up. We got to be obedient to God. So you write that one in now. Day 17 on your bulletin will be in there. That God's will is honored above all else. 
Think about that. God's will above my will. Day 26, that there is no arguing, complaining, or pouting in our lives. Woo! That we search for the heartbeat of God, day 27. Day 28, when God's will is unclear, that we wait until it is. And this one here, I think, speaking to a lot of people today, because we're wanting God to move faster than he is. And sometimes fast isn't good. So if you don't have an answer, don't move until you got an answer from the Lord. That we suffer rejection of friends rather than, than displease God, day 29. Think about that. That we suffer rejection of friends rather than displease God. Usually it's the other way around. My wife gets on to me, you'll upset me before you'll upset somebody you don't even know. Why do you respect them more than me? Well, it's the same way with God. We will, we will not stand up for God and will bow down to people so many times. Day 30, that we do not add or take away from what God says. He's going to tell us stuff in his word. We don't add and take away. That's in the Bible. Don't do that. But God speaks things to us. Can't, I want you to do this. And we know it and we change it up anyway. Be faithful to what God tells you. And then day 31, you know that most things that I ever tried to do when I was at Freeman, I was starting departments or, or building the, the, the Freeman stuff down there. If you lose sight of the vision, which is easy to do, then you'll miss it most of the time. But you just got to keep your eyes on the vision all the time. And that's what the Lord's telling us there. When he speaks it, keep your eyes on that. And Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about when you can't see it, believe it anyway. You're hoping for the things you can't see. If God's told you to do this, then hope for it because it's there. And see it when you can't see it in your flesh. And so anyway, that'll work in a lot of things. And then day 31, that there is an all for God's ways and wisdom, for there is none greater than he. We stand to our feet. And the altars are open. I want to challenge you today that if you need to reposition your mind, that you, you reach out to God some way.